What is up, folks? MMA Suck Alive. We are back and in your living rooms or your TVs or your car. Who the hell knows where the heck you are? I'm joined shotgun once again by Dan Rose. Uh, he's just down the I-5 for me. We are not sitting next to each other, although it looks like it on these screens. What's going on, man? How are you? Doing well. I had, you know, you just, I'm actually relaxing upstairs in my room today doing the show from upstairs. It's, nah. uh, it's nice. Perfect, perfect. Uh, so, so we are just about a week removed from UFC 257. Obviously, a huge fight card. Dustin Poirier ending things off in the main event with a vicious uh, second round TKO of Conor McGregor. Now, the memes were going crazy. We might as well dive right into that fight itself. A lot of people betting on McGregor going into this fight thinking that he was going to have his way with Dustin because of what happened in the previous fight. You know, he also was a guy who has been out of action for a little bit. He uh, he had to get back in there and feel what it was like. I saw a few people spoke about, you know, his stance. We actually had an article written up on MMASucker.com by Josh Ewell about Connor's stance and how he was very flat-footed. And uh, it was a different stance for Connor. Usually he's light, he's in and out. Uh, but those leg kicks obviously took their toll on him. They were the beginning of the end, but it was not the kicks that ended Connor McGregor. It was a slick punch to the face that absolutely kicked his butt. Uh, what were your thoughts on the overall performance of Dustin Poirier? And were you surprised at the outcome in the end? I, I was I was surprised and I wasn't surprised. It's It's a tough call. I mean, if anyone who's watched Dustin Poirier advance from the time that they fought the first time, he's just an entirely different fighter now. But by the same token, so is Conor McGregor. He's not the same Conor McGregor that fought Dustin the first time either. I thought that what we saw in the first round was more traditional Conor McGregor stand-up. And I thought that he had an effective first round. I thought he was good there. But like you said, the leg kicks, they, uh, they caught up with him and Dustin was very diligent about landing that calf kick. And I saw was a few people, and including one of our own. I, I think Kenny Lee posted it on his Twitter, and people were were not up in arms by it, but they, they did not agree with it. And he said that if he had changed up his stance or fought against a guy like someone who was the opposite stance from him, uh, would the inside leg kick be worse than the outside leg kick or vice versa? And I thought it was an interesting point that he, it's easier to check the kick from the inside than it is the outside. So what are your what are your thoughts on that? I, I agree 100%. It is easier to, to check the inside kick. And I think that if he was fighting somebody with a different stance, it would be something that he could maintain and do a lot better job of. I mean, we've seen Connor fight all the top-level guys in the organization. And nobody has ever really taken him to task in that respect with the low leg kicks. Um, and, and like he said, he had never experienced anything like that. He said his, his leg just went dead. And looking at it after the fight, you could see why. It was, it was a mess. Do, do you agree with uh, you know his coach and himself saying that it was the leg kicks that did him in? Or, or do you think that that's sort of the inevitable but he did get punched in the face, which put him away. No, I think the leg kicks are what put him away. Um, obviously, it was a combination that finished the fight. Uh, 
but it was the lack of mobility that he had because of those leg kicks and the lack of the stance that he had because of those leg kicks. I think that if Dustin Poirier doesn't land those leg kicks, I think that that fight might go five rounds, and I think it might have a different ending. Um, but I think the leg kicks basically took everything that Conor McGregor does well and took it and took that away from him. Is it? Are we fair to say? I mean, is it fair to say that Conor McGregor is still the name that everyone is talking about coming out of this fight? It's not Dustin Poirier. Yeah, that's how it's always going to be. I mean, Dustin Poirier undoubtedly had a star-making performance. Anytime you beat Conor McGregor, you're you're going to benefit from that. Anytime you stop him the way that Dustin stopped him, I mean, Dustin certainly gained a lot in fame and finance and everything else going forward. But Conor McGregor is the biggest star the sport has, and that's not going to change anytime soon. It's definitely not. Thanks a lot, Owen, for uh, the comment over there. Nice work, lads. Uh, we're doing what we do, man. Uh, trying to stay live and relevant to everyone out there. So, you know, obviously Conor McGregor is the topic at hand. Uh, what do you think's next for him? Do you think he he said he wants to fight four times in the first quarter of 2021? That's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. He's got a bit of a suspension due to the calf kick and the knockout. Um, Barring a positive or a negative uh, x-ray of the leg, supposedly he's back in the training room already. Uh, when do you see we, think we see Conor McGregor back inside the cage? And obviously there's a whole bunch of a mix in the lightweight division in terms of who he could face next. Uh, just talk about where you think he'll play out next and, and timeline-wise, and then we'll get into the whole who should fight who next. Time-wise, uh, I, I see Conor McGregor probably coming back in May or June, sometime around then. I don't, I mean, the four fight thing, I think was if every, if all the cards fell perfectly, you know, and he didn't have any damage and he had clean victories and all that. But you have to reassess that. Like you said, he will have a suspension to serve after, you know, for medical reasons. I think he comes back in May or June, something along those lines and headlines a card. Yeah, I thought I was thinking summer summer like june july august kind of thing uh a little later in in the middle of the year but now who do you think he faces because that's the question at hand obviously poirier threw out nate diaz's name uh connor threw out nate diaz's name it seems like everyone wants nate diaz for some reason when the guy hasn't fought in who the hell knows how long is it? I forget the last time Nate Diaz fought, to be honest with you. It was Jorge Masvidal, right? But uh, it moves the needle, man. I'll tell you, you want ever. So is that the guy that Connor fights? Because I think it's the fight that makes the most sense for Connor McGregor next. Yeah. I don't think they do Dustin Connor again right away. I think that fight has to be worked out. I think we see Michael Chandler. It's tough to say who we put him against. It'd be fun to see him fight a guy like Justin Gaethje just because they're both winging heavy mitts. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Who do you see Conor McGregor fighting next? And where does Dustin Poirier go in the grand scheme of things? I think that what Conor McGregor wants and what Conor McGregor are going to get are going to be two different things. I think the UFC and specifically Dana White are, are going to be very careful with Conor McGregor's next fight. It needs to be somebody that Conor McGregor should beat. Um, 
you don't want to get your biggest star in the world back-to-back losses. I think Nate Diaz is the. Is he not one in four in his, or one in two in his last three fights? Yeah, I guess he is. That's a good point. You know, Khabib Nurmagomedov beat him. Yeah. Um, you, you just, I think uh, Conor McGregor, his next fight, Nate Diaz makes a lot of sense. Um, I think in terms of the rest of the lightweight division, I think Dustin takes a little break, and I think maybe a fight that makes sense to me would be Chandler and Oliveira. And okay. the of that maybe fights, and of course Justin Gagey's out there as well. I, I don't know, to be completely honest with you, what the answer is right now. I just know that Dustin Poirier is the uncrowned champion. And it's whatever moves the needle, right? It's whatever is going to make the most sense money-wise for the UFC. And I think that pre-fight, during the pre-fight press conference, someone in the attendance uh, media-wise asked uh, Dana White about making a, a lightweight tournament here, post-fight kind of thing. And Dana didn't say anything, but he asked the fighters if they were okay with it. And all four guys said, I'm in, I'm in. Well, actually three out of the four, Dan Hooker didn't understand the question. So <laughs> um, I think a tournament is obviously the most fun. Uh, everyone, everyone likes a tournament. Most people would love a one night tournament. That's never going to happen for the UFC again. It's not commission legal, but uh, a tournament makes sense where two guys face each other, another two guys face each other. And then the winners face off for the title. Cause it doesn't seem like they're going to hand the title over to Dustin. If Khabib does come back, then obviously Dustin gets the first crack at him once again. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the tournament factor can be made a lot more special by the UFC by having the two semifinal fights on the same night. Um, sure. I, I say Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, and Justin Gagey. You know, let those four fight each other in whichever pairings you want. Then at a later date, let the two winners fight and then have a true champion. And in the meantime, give Conor McGregor Nate Diaz. and uh, Exactly. You know, the UFC wins on all on all fronts in that particular. And then we have, you know, the Tony Ferguson's and <laughs> right. So the list at lightweight goes on and on. It's and so on. deep. We talked about the co-main event, Michael Chandler making his octagon debut. He TKO'd or knocked out. It was pretty nasty. Dan Hooker at two minutes and thirty seconds of the very first round. You know, Bellator guys coming into that octagon have not always fared well. Now, people obviously coming into this were like, Michael Chandler, is he going to be able to do it? Is he going to be able to finish Dan Hooker? And I know, Dan, you were leaning on that opposite side of the fence, right? Yes, I absolutely thought Dan Hooker would win the fight. So Michael Chandler shocked a lot of people out there. He's shorter, uh, stockier, but I might say he is a little bit faster and he comes in way more unconventional than a guy like Dan Hooker or anyone that Dan Hooker has faced because he threw that overhand right numerous times. One of them landed, I think, just overhand, overhand, overhand. And you yeah. could tell that Dan was looking for that overhand again and got caught by the left. Yes. Uh, how shocked were you when he got dropped? And uh, how happy were you that a Bellator guy comes in there and finally gets the job done? Because I'm actually pretty happy, man. Yeah, I like it for Michael Chandler, certainly. Um I thought Michael Chandler did a tremendous job, and I thought he did even a better job after the fight with his promo. Um, to me, that's part of Michael Chandler that's never really been exciting for me. It's kind of his personality. 
And to see him come out and have a great performance like that and then have the personality behind it, it's a it's a huge night for Michael Chandler. And it's nice to see a Bellator guy come over and uh, take care of business in that in that capability. I, I, I thought Dan Hooker would win the fight. I thought that he would be too long for him. He'd eventually get him on the ground and submit him. But no. So there are a few upsets on the card. Um, the obvious, the huge one, obviously, was Marina Rodriguez uh, TKOing Amanda Rebus. That one was pretty wild. Uh, a lot of people thought Amanda was the you know this big stud coming into this contest and doing a ton of media. She was a fan favorite. She's a pretty girl. She talks the talk and, and does her thing. And a lot of people were picking her to finish this fight. Uh, inside the distance it didn't happen marina showed her grit um and she looked really good doing it uh, how do you see the, her playing out in in that women's division marina or amanda marina and i actually want to say amanda i don't th- i think a lot of people count her out which is I a amanda after that loss. i think amanda people. is still top of the crop man she's a prospect to watch and she could do really well in that division still if I could pick either still right now having uh, Marina's future or Amanda's future, I would take Amanda's future. Wow. Um, I think that as time goes on, she'll prove to be the better of the two fighters. And I think that if those two fought ten times, I think that uh, Amanda wins seven of them. But you, you play the cards you're dealt, you got defeated, you got finished, and... Uh, I don't see either of them being ready for a championship run at any level. No. I think the idea that Amanda Rebus has somehow been exposed or has been is now overrated. I, I don't think so. I think she got caught, and that happens to anybody at any time. I agree, and she was smiling on the way out doing it. Uh, in the chat here, we got Sigil Breaker twenty six saying, "How's everyone doing? What's up, man?" Uh, enjoy the show. Keep on cracking. Join us. We'll be getting better and better each week as this goes. Uh, we'll have guests on and whatnot. Just talking Dan Rose and I over here. So heck, I'll even go to my office for it. I won't stay in my bedroom for it. (laughs) As I said, a few upsets, one that was a very close line, uh, that I want to talk about before anything else, we move on to, uh, you know, the news at hand, which is Jake Paul and Ben Askren, unfortunately, but Juliana Pena defeating Sarah McMahon. Now the first round didn't go her way. McMahon utilized her wrestling, took her down, kept her on her back. Second round, uh, Juliana weathered the storm, utilized her wrestling a little bit, her jujitsu, uh, grinded her, kept her up against the cage. And, and I think I'd say it was one, one going into the third round if I were, uh, doing my scorecards. But I do believe that uh, in the third round that Juliana showed her with, you know, she was withstanding everything and she showed her grit and she showed how well she does inside the cage. And it was cool to see two sick jitsu fighters, Rick Little doing well with Michael Chiesa the week before. And now Juliana finishing her fight, taking McMahon down, utilizing her ground game, really controlling her, making her turtle, ultimately finishing her with like a one-armed rear naked choke. She didn't even have to sink in that that backhand. And then calling for Amanda Nunez post-fight. No one deserves it more. If I'm being honest, I'm I'm a real big Juliana fanboy. Uh, I've met her a few times in person. She's been up here for Battlefield Fight League events. Uh, we interviewed her while she was on The Ultimate Fighter. Now, 
she may not have the winning streak to get herself that title shot, but she's fought the who's who in the division. And I don't think there's anyone else more deserving than her of a future title shot, whether that's one more win, whether that's her next fight, or if Amanda doesn't even want to defend that belt, then Juliana versus someone else for the title. Do you believe that Juliana deserves a shot? And do you believe that she could be next in line or at least one fight away from a title? I I don't think she's next. I think that she's going to have to fight like an elimination fight to get into a title shot scenario. But I think that if you look up and down the division, she's capable of, of beating anybody there. And uh, I was very impressed with the, what she showed on uh, on Saturday night against uh, um, who'd she fight? Sarah uh, McMahon. <laughs> Sarah McMahon. She's totally left my head. And uh, to, to come back from the first round that she had lost and then to come back and I think kind of turn the tide in the second half of the second round. And then in the third round, she was just dominant and just very impressed with her. Uh, I, I think maybe she should cool it on the Amanda Nunez and saying that she's ducking her. And I mean, come on, it's Amanda Nunez. She doesn't <laughs> duck anybody. Do you believe she comes back to the division and, and defends the title? Like when? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see why she wouldn't. No, no, exactly. And Juliana's, I mean, she lost to Valentina Shevchenko and Jermaine Durandamy. Like, arguably, Monsters. two of the best, like, two studs. You know what I mean? There's no one else that she needs to fight. I mean, the division is is needs some other contenders in it. And it's yeah. nice to see Juliana in that, sh- that sort of spot. Uh, Nate Freeman, writer over at MMASucka.com commented uh, about the last fight that we were speaking about Marina Rodriguez uh, and Carla Esparza rematch. That's an interesting fight because, you know, styles make matchups and Carla Esparza, we know is a gritty grindy wrestler. Uh, She will trade on the feet when she has to, Uh, but that's a fun fight. Actually. Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. I would watch that. I would not say no to that fight. I, I like that fight quite a bit. Nate, thanks for throwing that up there. Uh, anything else on UFC 257 fight card you want to talk about, Dan, or let's move on to this? Uh, yeah, we can move on. I, I would like to say that I was uh, very pleased with Ben Calderwood's performance. Yeah, and, it's nice uh, to see you pick up, a, pick up a victory. It so is. Such a great person. There, right? Yeah. So. Great person, great fighter. Just, just I, I'm always happy when she does well, and so I was happy to see her win. Not necessarily a Jessica Eyes uh because I like her as well. <laughs> Since moving to Vegas, though, she you can tell that she's really put in put in work. And uh, Coach Wood, her fiance, they 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 definitely mesh well. Not only obviously in the bedroom, but <laughs> they mesh well inside the gym as well. So congratulations to them. But yeah, moving on. Uh, as you can see on the ticker, Ben Askren will actually fight Jake Paul. Um, it was actually teased a few months ago. People didn't believe it. Maybe a month ago, uh, two months ago, yeah. uh, someone posted a picture with Triller announcing that Ben Askren would fight Jake Paul. Uh, then a training video came out yesterday with Jake Paul training with Jorge Masvidal, who used to be called George Masvidal. I don't know when that changed, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Strike Force days he was known as George. Now he's Jorge. Uh, but. 
a fight that a lot of people are hoping Ben Askren wins. I saw the funniest thing from, I think it was McMally. Let me try and find it. But he posted on his Twitter about uh, basically if Ben Askren beats, I can't find it, but basically if Ben Askren beats Jake Paul, that we can wash the the loss to Jorge Masvidal and we can t- shoot it out the window. Everyone will forget about it. And the MMA gods will have gone back onto Ben Askren's side. We've seen Ben Askren stand up. Now, Jake Paul has only fought, obviously, these sort of exhibition fights. Yes, he has a title for his first fight against whatever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But he's knocked out Nate Robinson. He knocked him down, basically knocked him out three times. Nate Robinson is an all-star basketball player. He came from the NBA. He is not a boxer. Ben Askren has been inside the cage with the best of the best. And I don't know why, but I'm still worried for him in this fight for some odd reason. Talk to me, Dan. Change my mind. Tell me Ben Askren is going to beat Jake Paul. He's not. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't under, this is the fight that literally nobody was asking for. Well, Uh, no, because Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather is the fight nobody was asking for. So I would watch that. (laughs) At least then, you know, Logan Paul's going to get smacked. (laughs) I mean, Ben Askren, I am a Ben Askren fan. I've always liked him. He won me over with the videos he did with Chase Hooper. I thought those were hilarious. This fight makes zero sense. Um, it, it's a striker. I mean, say what you want to say about Jake Paul. He's not a you know, next-level talent boxer by any stretch of the imagination yet. But he's training to be a boxer. And he has some boxing skills to his credit. It, it's not a smart fight for, for Ben Askren. It's got to be a money grab. I, I don't like anything having to do with it. I don't, I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk about it. I am unfortunately going to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 just not a good situation for anybody. No, I don't know what it does for Ben other than a payday. To be honest with you, yeah. sense that's exactly all it is. Is he wants to get paid? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't see the reason for it. To be honest with you, no, there there is no reason for it. There's nothing. It's not like it's gonna. He's gonna use it to springboard into his boxing career. I mean, this has got to be one and done for for Ben Askren. It's got to be just pick up a check and who knows? Maybe I'll smash this kid. But. Yeah, I I wouldn't be mad if he did. It'd be nice to see. But the thing is, is I don't see many punches happening in this fight because I think every chance he can get, he's just gonna clinch him. I think he's gonna tie. I mean. If you watch the the Paul fight versus Nate Robinson, and Nate Robinson, like you said, is a former NBA basketball player, college football player at the University of Washington. Tough little guy. But every time they came within arm's reach of each other, Nate grabbed hold of them. And that's somebody who can't wrestle way out of a wet paper bag. You think that Ben Ashman's not going to grab a hold of them? It's going to be the worst thing any of us have ever watched. What do you take of uh, Jake Paul training with Jorge Masvidal? I think it's just fuel to the fire. I think it's just more insulting. It's I, Again, I don't know. 
I, I don't understand Jorge George Masvidal anymore. Ever since he, like, flipped and went, like, pure Republican and, you know, Team Trump, and now he's training Jake Paul to beat up someone that he'd already beat up, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really get it myself either. I think, uh, I think it, like you said, fuel to the fire for sure. I actually think that it's more so just for like video purposes. I don't know how much they're actually training together. I can't. Um, imagine. I think. I think, like you say, I think it's just fuel to the fire and sort of trying to get into Ben's head a little bit more than anything else. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine what else it could be. I, this whole thing is baffling to me. A hundred percent. Mike Tyson and uh, Roy Jones Jr. at least made sense. <laughs> they were both at one point professional boxers. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Moving forward tonight, we've got LFA 98. You will be covering that event for us, Dan. Talk us through the fight card a little bit. Let us know what uh, fans can look out for, if there's anything exciting on the card, and and you know maybe what you're predicting for fight of the night in that one. Um, it could- it's a pretty solid fight card. LFA has been doing, I've been covering all of their events recently, and uh, we're coming right up on LFA 100. Tonight is LFA 98. And the middle, the main event features a, a pair of middleweights that are both really talented fighters. And uh, I, I did an article earlier this week. You can share it if you'd like. It's, I gave some predictions on who I thought were going to win different fights. But in the main event, Bruno Oliveira is fighting against Josh Brim. That's a good fight. Um, I like Josh to win it. But then combined, I think they're like 14-3. and three. And then in the co-main event, uh, J.J. Okinovich is fighting Lucas Clay. And they're combined 13-2. and two. So if you ask me who I think is fight of the night, I think it's the J.J. Okinovich fight. But uh, yeah, it's it's a stacked card. LFA, one thing that you can say that they do really well is keep the action moving. When you watch LFA, there's no no place between fights. There's no commercials. It's none of that. It's just lots of action. Guys you're going to see in the UFC in a year or two, and one right after the other. And I enjoy covering LFA for sure. I, I love that. And you can see on the screen right there, LFA 98 card quick look. With predictions, that's Dan's article right there. Uh, check it out over at MMASucker.com. It's just down from the featured window up at the top. Um, but LFA and, you know, Ed Suarez, who's who's running LFA, he was formerly uh, Anderson Silva's manager in the UFC. Yes. He's brought a lot of talent to the UFC as well. He has no qualms about talking about, uh, well, I said about twice there in the same sentence, but he has no qualms telling people that they are a feeder league. He has no problem saying, you know what? LFA is a feeder league for the UFC. And I think he was one of the first ones that did that. Now you can see that any promotion that's on UFC fight pass is sort of becoming that feeder league for the UFC. And I think that that that's one of the reasons why a lot of organizations are starting to sign with UFC fight pass and promote their events on there is because they see that sort of ebb and flow and moving through down the line, watching and seeing fighters move through their organizations to the UFC. So it's it's pretty cool to see. 
Absolutely. LFA has done that for a long time. Um, they promote a lot of their fighters. Their fighters get you know promoted to the UFC all the time. And uh, it's good for the sport. It's good for the LFA, too, because they got constant turnover of talented, young, hungry fighters. That it is. Tomorrow, we've got a couple of events that uh, we will be covering over at MMASucker.com. I believe the first one is KSW 58. Uh, the fight card features a featherweight title fight between Sal Hadin Parnassi and Daniel Torres. Now, L uh, KSW throws amazing fight cards, slobber knocker fights. Uh, if you if you might say, Matt Bricker over at MMASucker.com covers them all for us. And he's covering this one again for you tomorrow. KSW is always fire. People love to watch them. Much like LFA, they flow. Fight, 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 fight. They're usually very long cards because they stack them with uh, a ton of fights. But you're going to get nothing but fire from KSW 58 tomorrow. And another fight card we're going to be covering tomorrow is Glory 77. Over at uh, the website right now, Connor Dietrich who uh managing editor over at mmasucker.com wrote about glory 77 the full fight card and event information uh it's on the homepage at mmasucker.com you can check that out we will be covering that event as well i believe josh Ewell is covering the event for us starts at 1 p.m eastern time which is uh 10 a.m pacific time i believe yeah. uh yeah. so you can check that out over at mmasucker.com Two big fight cards tomorrow. As I said, LFA tonight. Uh, about 30 minutes we've done here, Dan. Anything else before we kick you off of here? Because you got to go cover LFA that you want to chat about? Got to go cover LFA. I'm going to say this. Next week's exciting weekend for me. Bare Knuckle, Knuckle Mania. We're yeah. going to have plenty of coverage of the, on the site about that next week. Um, you know how I am about Bare Knuckle. <laughs> for sure owen uh young cracked in here again ksw 58 guys tomorrow is lit completely agree as i said ksw events are always fire uh they're fun to watch make sure you check that out uh head on over to mma suck if you can't watch it live follow along with our results posts always uh right up on top of things but that does it for another edition of mma suck alive we will be back next week chatting about all these events post fight uh, obviously, some news, rumors, maybe even throw in the odd interview uh, here or there. But we've got some cool stuff coming up on the site. I've been, uh, I'm going to bring back a new, uh, an article that was done in the past by a guy named Siraj Sukumar. He uh, used to write for MMASucker.com. It was a prospect watch, UFC prospect watch monthly. So I've written up the top 10 prospects that we should watch out for in the month of November or February, November. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. The month of February, um, that will go up on Sunday. It'll drop February 1st. And Siraj, who used to write for us, is going to have a video embedded in it. He's got a new um, podcast out. It's called The Kazen MMA. And his video will go over that top 10 list and talk about why each fighter is in their position. So, not only is my write-up going to be in it, but his reasons why those people are in their positions will also be in it. So it's going to be a pretty cool feature that will come out monthly. Keep it locked, MMASucker.com for that. All your news, rumors, interviews, everything else is up on MMASucker.com. You can follow the website on Facebook, on Instagram, at MMA underscore sucker. On Twitter, at MMASucker. You can follow myself on Twitter, at JeremyBrand604. Dan, where can they follow you, buddy? 
They can hit me up at Dan Rose MMA, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. Perfect. And Owen, to you, buddy. Knuckle up. We're out. <laughs>